God, thank you for this morning, this Memorial Day weekend, and I thank you for this message that you've placed on my heart, and I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth today would be of you. Um, I believe that this is a message that you have for our church this morning, and so I pray that we walk out of these doors um, because you're, you are speaking into our lives, and we feel a new sense of confidence to do anything that you're calling us to do. So bless this time, God. Uh, we love you. In your name I pray. Amen. You know that feeling you get when you finally get the right tool for the job? I've been working on my house, you guys, nonstop, and, and when I, I need that T20 bit, and all I have is a bunch of T25s, but you finally get that right bit, it's like you're winning the lottery, and you can finally do what you've been called to do, what I've been called to do, or, or maybe you're troubleshooting something on, online. And you find that obscure YouTube video that's like, yes, they, they, they're, doing this, they're struggling with the same problem that I've been struggling with forever. I can finally do, finally fix what I need to fix. Like that feeling of satisfaction of I can do it. Like I've been equipped and now I, I feel this feeling of yes, I can do what I got to do. I'm excited to share with you this morning because I believe the word that God has for us this morning is a word of encouragement. Because as I was reading uh, this passage that we're going to look at today and praying, what kept flooding my mind are these four words, you can do it. You can do it. And so we're in this series. This is the final week in this series before I go where we've been looking at the 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and ascension and the things that he did and said. So just really quickly, Jesus died. He, he rose from the dead. He was here on earth for 40 days and then he ascended. And so we're at the moment right before he ascends into heaven. And what did Jesus say? What are the things he is doing? And so if you have your Bible, you can open up with me to Acts chapter 1. We're starting in Acts chapter 1, and we're going to look at six verses. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 3 through 9. It says this. After his suffering on the cross... He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they, the disciples, gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. Jesus communicates three things in this conversation that he's having with his disciples. He communicates the plan. He communicates an assignment. And he communicates a tool. The plan, which is God's. The assignment, which is God given to us. The assignment is ours. And then the tool given to us by God to accomplish our assignment. And so I want to break down these three things that Jesus goes over, and I, I hope at the end of today you f leave here feeling encouraged that you can do it. So first, God's plan. In verse 6, 
It says, then they gathered around him and said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? The disciples are trying to figure out what's next. What's the plan? What are you doing here? What is about to happen? And notice in verse 7, Jesus doesn't necessarily answer their question, but he redirects them. He says, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by my own authority. He doesn't dismiss the question. He doesn't say no. But rather, he's saying God is at work. He is in control. His plan for salvation and to restore the world, that plan is intact. Thinking about going back to verse 4, it says, On one occasion while I was eating with them, he says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised. For there to be a promise, and just to let you know, that promise was talked about hundreds of years prior. That must mean that there is a plan. And that that plan is, in fact, on track. God's plan is to restore the nation of Israel. But it's also to restore the world and restore any who call on his name. And so he redirects their eyes from the plan because he's got the plan to their assignment. And so what is their assignment and what is our assignment today? He says in verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. The assignment to share this good news to those around us and to the world. The Great Commission is our assignment. That is our God-given duty. He's saying, I want you to be my hands and feet. I want you to tell those near and far about my love. I want you to tell them about what I did for them. I want you to tell them about me. He says, in my plan, I want to reach people. And I want to reach people through you, my people, my church. And so you may be asking, what does it mean to be a witness? What does it mean to bear witness? Well, the definition of to bear witness is to show something exists or is true. How I treat Abby bears witness that she is my fiancé. The truth of bearing witness, the truth is she is my fiancé. And how I show that she is my fiancé is how I treat her. How I treat her like I don't treat anybody else in this world. I'm bearing witness to this truth by how I live that out. And so, really quickly, in this definition of bearing witness, to show something exists or is true, what is the truth that we are bearing witness to? Well, if you look at this diagram, this is what we are bearing witness to. Because of your sin, you and I deserve death. And because you and I deserve death because of our sin, you and I deserve hell, complete separation from God. But when Jesus was here on earth, he lived a perfect life. And because of that, he was given life, and life in the form of eternity in heaven with God. He is God. But what happened, the amazing, incredible thing about what happened on that cross is what Jesus was saying is he flipped what each of us get. He took on our sin. You want to go to the next one? He took on our sin, he died your death, and he conquered hell so that you and I could be seen by God as perfect, so that you and I could experience life forever, and so that we could experience eternity in heaven with him. That's the gospel right there. That's what we claim to be true. That is what is true. 
And so to read verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be witnesses to Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This is the truth we're telling people. And so we have an assignment to be a witness. Now, how do we show? What does it look like to show that this truth is true? Well, there's a couple ways. One is we speak. We share that good news verbally. We make disciples, just like Pastor Laurel Bunker shared a, shared a few Shared about a few weeks ago, we tell about this good news and make disciples, many Jesus' little Christians. We share this good news. But the second way that we physically show that this is true, God built into the Christian life. It's in how we live our lives. How we choose to follow Jesus bears witness to this being true. Trusting God equals following his ways. And the natural fruit, the natural byproduct of following his ways will bear witness to th- that this is true to the rest of the world. Because following Jesus looks so different, so countercultural than the world that we live in today, people will see that this changes things. That this actually is true. And so what does it look like now to live for Jesus? What does he call us to? He calls us to put him first, like actually put him first. Nothing else will go ahead of him in our lives. He calls us to love unconditionally. He calls us to spend time with him daily. He calls us to be bold in sharing him with others in prayer and in Bible study and connecting with others. It's it's submitting to, it's, it's, it's ridding ourselves of our selfish, sinful desires. It's overcoming that addiction and instead replacing it with time with him. And when we do these things, it's going to bear witness to the world and those around us that this is in fact true. Scripture says that the fruit of the Spirit lived in this way is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's Galatians 5. And do you see those things in the world anywhere consistently where God isn't active? I don't. That's why it sticks out. That's why it's so stark. The byproduct of a life lived for Jesus is so countercultural that it will also just do the job of bearing witness to others of who he is. And so you may be sitting here thinking, what does it look like for me to bear witness? And Brody, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can spread the good, good news of Jesus and have any sort of set success. I don't know if I change my life to follow after Jesus wholeheartedly if it'll have any sort of impact. Or maybe you're sitting here thinking, I have that tug to have a conversation with a friend about God or a relative about God. I have that tug in my heart to overcome that addiction. I have that tug in my heart to spend time with God in prayer and in the word every single day. I have that tug in my heart of where God is calling me, but I don't know if I can go there. I don't know if I can share the good news of Jesus on my own. And the truth to that question, the truth to that concern is you're right. But God's got it taken care of. You on your own, you can't spread God's love without God. You can't spread God's love if you are not first 
immersing yourself in God's love for you to share with others. You can't. You and I need a tool. Have you ever seen a fire hydrant fully wide open? I want to show you. 60,000 PSI. That's wild. Look at this analogy stuff. Visuals. Guys, the funny thing is, you go on Amazon and you look for replica fire hydrants and the only thing that comes up is puppy pee spots. So that's what this is. <laughs> this was created for your dog to relieve itself on. That is its entire purpose in this life. It's amazing. To open a fire hydrant for it to have its full effect. Anyone with a little bit of knowledge knows that the valve on a fire hydrant cannot be opened just on your own. Like no human possesses the amount of strength in their hands and arms to open the valve of a fire hydrant. Some people in college would have said, I maybe could because I milked cows and they, they thought that you still milked cows with your hands. But oh no, no, that, that is not how it happens now. No, you need a specific tool to open a fire hydrant. You need a specific tool. Talk about specific. Talk about specific. I mean, this thing, this is what's used to open a fire hydrant, a very specific tool. And in the same way, to effectively spread God's love, to effectively share the good news of Jesus, to effectively live a life that bears witness, we need God's help. We need a tool. And that tool is the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is so much more than just a tool, but for the sake of our conversation this morning, it is the tool that God has given us to spread that love. The Holy Spirit is the key to all of this. In verse 4, remember, he says, But wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. In a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And then in verse verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. When Jesus ascended, he left his disciples and us today with himself in the form of his spirit. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you also receive the only tool you need to fulfill the assignment that God has given to you as a Christian. One commentator put it this way, God's gift of the Holy Spirit fills the gap between the essential role that God assigned to human work and our ability to fulfill that role. For the first time since the fall, our work has the power to contribute to the fulfilling of God's plan. Notice how it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's the Holy Spirit's power that gives you the ability to spread God's love. No, team huddle. Okay, so what's the plan? It's, it's God's plan. It's all his, and it's all under control. Okay, so what's my assignment in that plan? It's to go spread my love. Okay, do I need something? Yes, you need me in the form of my spirit, and I have given that to you. So what else is there? What else do I need to succeed? What else do I need to have the courage to step up and talk to that coworker or my friend about the good news of Jesus? Nothing. There's nothing more that you need. You already have it. Because of what Jesus said and did when he, right before he ascended into heaven, it's what gives me 
the incredible privilege to tell you today, you can do it. Whatever he's calling you deeper into, you can do it. Because he's given you his spirit. The assignment that he's calling each of us to today, however he's calling each of us to bear witness of who he is, is going to look a little different. Whatever he's calling you into, like I said, talking to a coworker, a friend, or maybe he's inviting you, you felt this tug to start a Bible study for a long time, or maybe just join a Bible study. Maybe it's to worship him with all your heart. Like, actually, I don't care about the others around me. I'm just going to focus on you, God, and giving you praise. Or maybe he's encouraging you to simply trust him, to walk with me daily. Maybe he's encouraging you to crack your Bible open, maybe for the first time, and start that rhythm of being in his word. Do you know or have you ever realized that the mission statement for this church is a go and bear witness type statement? Our statement is live by faith and be known by love. Our living statement is live by faith and be known by love. And you can do those things. You can chase after that as hard as you want, literally, because you have everything you need to do so. And so I stand here today and say, you can do it. Whatever he's calling you to, you can do it. Mom, you can do it. Or some other faces around here. Brenda, you can do it. You can do it. Dale, you can do it. Whatever he's calling you to, you can do it. I'm going to invite the band back up. I want to close with a story. Can I tell you a story of someone who understands their assignment and relies on the Holy Spirit within that assignment. My mentor, his name's Dave, he's a pastor up in Otsego. We meet once a month. And he was telling me this story. He was sitting in his office. He was sitting in his office preparing a message. And the Holy Spirit came to him and said, I want you to go study at the Caribou in Otsego. Obedient Dave gets in his car, drives to Caribou, and goes and studies in Otsego at the Caribou. Holy Spirit says, go up to the mezzanine. I want you to study there. And he does it. In, in, in his study time, a woman walks up to him and says, are you Pastor Dave? And he says, yes, yeah, I am. And she says her name, and she had attended his church 10 years prior. And she was sharing how life in those 10 years has been awful, like terrible, tragic things that happened in her life. And he says, can I pray for you? And so he prays for her. And he prays a bunch of scripture. Like the words that were coming out of his mouth were Bible verses. And when, she was, when he was done praying, they both look up and she said, were those Bible verses? Can I get those Bible verses? Right as she said that, a woman who was sitting in her mid-twenties, that was sitting just a couple tables away, the Holy Spirit told her, write down the verses that you hear that man speak and pray over that woman. So she wrote down those verses and said, I'm, I was called to write these down and give these to you. Guys, a life-bearing witness to the good news of Jesus is not boring. I want stories like that. Like, do you want stories like that? Like a, a life that sounds fun to me is one that's like that. Like 
where the only way that this is going to be successful is if I rely on the Holy Spirit, if I rely on the tool that I have been given by God to accomplish my assignment. Guys, if you ever struggle with, I don't know, I don't know if I can go where God's calling me to. I think it might require too much faith. It might require too much reliance on the Holy Spirit or God to make it work. That is not, those are not words from the Spirit that God's placed in you. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, or another translation, does not, is not a spirit of fear, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. When you are obedient to God in bold ways and depend on the Spirit, the tool that He's given you to accomplish that assignment, the natural outpouring of your life will be God's love. Before Jesus ascended into, his, into heaven, He said, the plan is mine. I have it taken care of. But in that plan, I have an assignment for you and I'm going to give you the only tool you need to accomplish that assignment. So go. Use it. Because when you do, I can confidently tell you, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Let me pray. God, you're calling each and every one of us deeper. Like no, no matter if, if we have known you for 20 years, if we've known you for 20 days, you are calling us into something new. You are calling us to trust you more. And our God-given assignment is to share that love with others. And so I, I pray that you would impress on our hearts what that thing is. And that we would run after it, relying on you and your Holy Spirit. That's the life we want to live. That's the church we want to be. One that isn't relying on ourselves, but one that is reliant on you. Because it's your plan. You have it all figured out. But we do have a job to do within that plan but you set us up to succeed. And I pray that that would give us the courage today to know we can do it and it's worth it. In your name I pray, amen.